my name is Mark, if I've not met you before. And in fact, even if I have met you before, my name is Mark. Uh, I'm one of the Associate Ministers of All Saints Woodford Wells, and I'm also the Minister of St Andrew's Church in Woodford Green. So a big hello if you're from either of those churches, but also a big hello to you, whoever you are. It's my hope that at least one or two of you might be watching this video because a well-meaning family member or friend uh, has suggested that you watch this because something that I share within this time uh, hopefully will be able to speak into your own circumstances and perhaps the questions that you're asking at this time in your life. And so I'd like to talk a bit about my story and my experiences of life, uh, but I'd like to do that within the context of something much more relevant, much more inspiring, much more important. And that is the big overarching story that God is telling. It's God's story. And I hope that during this time, whoever you are, you might be able to relate your own story to that big overarching story that God is telling and that you'll be able to find meaning and hope and peace uh, as you reflect on the fact that your story finds incredible significance and purpose within this greater narrative, this greater story that God is telling. So I'm going to share with you a bit about my own life. I was born in 1982. I have a book here called 1982, The Year I Was Born, just to prove that I was indeed born in 1982. And I was born on the 1st of April. That's not a joke. I really was. And I was born into a family that already had in it my mum and my dad and my brothers, Christopher and Michael. And our family was a family that used to attend church. So I was baptised as a baby in a local Church of England church. And I grew up attending this church alongside the other members of my family. I remember struggling with church when I was little. I found it boring, but I did believe in the existence of God. I believed that God was real. Uh, and I actually prayed to him when I went to bed at night with my mum's help. She would sit with me and pray. We would pray to God. We would pray to the Christian God, the God revealed by Jesus. And so that was part of my upbringing. That was what we did. Uh, but when I was 13, I stopped going to church. I'd been really pushing my parents to let me stop going uh, because, like I said, I, I found it boring. I found it dull. Uh, but even through my teenage years, when I wasn't attending church, I still believed in the existence of God. And specifically, I believed in the existence of the Christian God, the God revealed by Jesus. What's interesting, though, looking back, is that even though I believed in the existence of God, it never really occurred to me to give any you know, great degree of thought to how belief in the existence of God would impact upon the way that I saw the world or the way that I lived my life. I just it never occurred to me. I don't know why. Maybe I was just blinded by uh, selfishness or living for my own vision for life, which was to have as much fun as I possibly could, which isn't bad in one sense, but uh, it's very narrow minded and limited in another. Uh, but I was determined to have as much fun as I possibly could. And it didn't occur to me that believing in the existence of God would have anything meaningful to contribute uh, to my vision for life or my understanding of how I would live my life. However, that all changed when I went to university. I went to university in the year 2000. And after a year of university, I actually got quite ill. I had to pull out of university. I deferred for a year. Uh, because I was I was really ill. I was very fatigued. 
I also had a permanent headache uh, that I couldn't seem to shift whatever I did. And uh, during that time when I was back at home with my parents again, uh, I found myself praying to a God who, like I said, I believed in the existence of, uh, but never really prayed to and never really given a lot of attention to. And incredibly, even though I'd been ignoring this God that I believed in all of my life, I found that as I prayed to him, he did respond to my prayer. I prayed initially that God would make me better. I wanted to not have a headache anymore. Uh, and in truth, I wanted God to make me better so that I could go back to university uh, and continue to basically have a great time. I really enjoyed my first year at university and uh, I lived in a very selfish way, really, when I when I look back on it. And so my prayer for God to make me better was so that I could go back to living uh, this fairly self-indulgent, selfish life that I'd been living uh, with any, without any real self-awareness. I just sort of lived it, not really thinking about the effects that my vision for life or the way that I lived my life had on anyone else around me. Uh, I was just, you know, set on having as much fun as I possibly could. And so I prayed to God, Lord, can you make me better? Make me, give me energy. I don't want to be tired anymore. Take away this headache so I can carry on as I was. And, and what I discovered was that God uh, saw this little boy who he loved uh, and just wasn't prepared to leave me in this pit uh, that I was in. And he answered my prayer, but he answered my prayer by giving me a whole vision for life and seeing how his big story was relevant to my own life after all, that not only did believing in his existence uh, form part of my understanding for the way the world worked, uh, but also the belief in God's existence could totally transform my life uh, and give me a vision and a purpose for how I would live each day. And so when I prayed, God, would you heal me? Would you help me uh, to cope and to go back to university? He, he put a newspaper in my hand, which had the story of a lady who'd been involved in a religious sect. And in this article, she contrasted the legalism of this particular sect uh, with the grace that she found in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, she called him the real Jesus, the Jesus that she met in the pages of the Bible. Uh, and she contrasted this sect where uh, the whole sort of theology or, you know, the whole way that that sect worked was about trying hard to please God and trying to get to God and to earn his favour and to merit his love. Whereas she discovered in the real Jesus, the Jesus revealed in the Bible, that he uh, loves us so much that actually he doesn't expect us to get everything sorted and to try really hard to get to him or to earn his love. But instead, he does everything that he can and he tries as hard as he can to come to us. And to meet us where we find ourselves, even if that's in a pit of desperation, a pit of self-indulgence, a pit of misery. And he comes to meet us where we are and to tell us how much he loves us and to pick us up and to look us in the eye and tell us he's proud of us. And to show us that through him we can know freedom and that through him we can know meaning for life. And through him we can find true and lasting peace and joy. And so I read this article that this lady had written. And at the end of her article, uh, there was a prayer that you could pray to invite Jesus into your life. And uh, at that time, like I said, I was really desperate. Uh, I had a permanent headache. I was knackered. And so I just thought, you know what? I'm going to pray this prayer because I really need God to help me. You know, no one else can help me seemingly. And uh, I just need a way out of this place. 
a way out of the state that I'm in. And so I prayed a prayer inviting Jesus to come and fill my life. And what was interesting was that the prayer that I prayed highlighted that there was this big story that I'd been ignoring for some time. And it's the story that we find in the pages of the Bible. I've got here a Bible. I showed you uh, a book that was indicative of my own story and holding up the pages of the Bible, um, holding up a book that tells us the story that God is telling. And when I prayed that prayer, I asked Jesus to forgive me for all the wrong things that I had done and to help me to come into a relationship with God, the father, so that I could know God as my own father and I could become one of God's children. And that prayer, I prayed it without really having read much of the Bible before. I knew little bits here and there, uh, but I was so desperate. I prayed that prayer without any real understanding of what it was I was praying. Uh, but in God's incredible mercy, when I prayed that prayer, I still felt this euphoric sense of God touching me and affirming me. And the story of the Bible uh, is that God made the world as a place uh, for us to live. And God made humanity, made human beings because he wanted a big family. When God made the first human beings, we read in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, that even though he made a good world, uh, and he made provision for those first human beings to know fellowship with him and friendship with him and to know joy and to have fulfillment. It still says we learn in the pages of Genesis that those first human beings, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God and they thought they knew better. They were actually enticed by a spiritual being called Satan who appeared to them in the form of a serpent. And he enticed them to turn their back on God and to disobey God and to choose another way, the way of destruction, the way of sin. Sin is a religious word that I heard when I was growing up. I didn't give it a lot of thought. Uh, and actually, I had reveled in sin without ever calling it sin. I'd gone my own way and followed my own purpose, which was very self-indulgent. And when I read in Genesis how Adam and Eve had turned their back on God and said yes to the uh, to the devil, to the serpent, and followed a different way, I recognised that I had done the same thing in my own life. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, uh, they were separated from God and he banished them from the Garden of Eden, where they were able to know close fellowship and friendship with God. The story of the Bible is that even though Adam and Eve were banished from Eden after what we call the fall, that's the theological term for when Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and turned their back on God by saying no to God and saying yes to the devil and his schemes and his enticements. After the fall, Adam and Eve were banished from Eden. Uh, but the next part of the Bible and a part that really runs through the whole of the Bible is God's rescue operation. How God wanted to win us back from the power of sin and from the deceptions of Satan so that he could have that big family that he'd always longed for a family that included you, a family that included me. And we read when Jesus came into the world that he came as a man who uh, lived an incredible life. He showed people uh, what it meant to live a good life, a non-selfish life, uh, a life where you care for others and love others and help others. He did incredible miracles. He, he showed people that the supernatural realm was real. Uh, he proved both the existence of a supernatural God, uh, his father who he came to reveal, 
but also his actions showed that there are supernatural realms where there is darkness, where there are uh, where there is the devil and fallen angels. And actually, in his life, he confronted those powers and principalities uh, by the amazing things that he did, uh, which demonstrated that God, his father, is a good God who wants to set people free from the power of evil. So Jesus led this incredible life where he demonstrated the kindness of God and the love of God. He did miracles. Uh, he, he spoke amazing sermons, uh, sharing the most incredible uh, ethical teachings that have never been bettered. Uh, that even people who don't profess faith in God and in the Christian God will still talk about the amazing teachings uh, of Jesus and his wise sayings. But this Jesus who came into the world, came into the world to be a saviour. He came to destroy the power of the devil, to destroy the power of evil, to forgive us for our sin and our wrong choices and to enable us to be reconciled to God and to become part of God's big family. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that we could be forgiven. The God that I worship, the God of the Bible, is a loving God and he's also a just God. And so when we have said no to God and we have said yes to sin and evil, we have violated that incredible, perfect uh, justice that God embodies and that God upholds. We are great lovers of justice, aren't we, when it uh, applies to other people? Uh, we want justice for when things are done to us that are wrong. We want, uh, we want there to be a balancing of the scales and for everything to be made right. Uh, but we don't realise what that might look like for us when we look at the wrongs that we have done to others uh, and the effects that our own sin and our own selfishness has had on others. When Jesus dies on the cross, he dies to take the punishment of our sin, the just penalty for our wrongdoing on himself. And so whereas we should be taking that punishment, you know, when someone does something wrong, uh, they're the ones that normally take the punishment. If you're uh, naughty, you have to sit on the naughty step if you're a child, or you might have to do a detention if you're a bit older, you're at school and you've done something wrong. Uh, but if you're uh, an adult and you've done something really wrong, you might have to go to prison for it. So we all get that there is a punishment for wrongdoing. Uh, however, whatever the degree of punishment that is, you know, relevant to the particular crime that is done. But we all understand that, don't we? The reality is that the wages of sin or the consequences of sin is death itself. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he dies to take the punishment of our sin, to die our death for us so that the punishment for our sin he takes upon himself. But he also dies on the cross to destroy the power of sin and the grip that the devil has had upon our lives. I didn't realise it, but until I prayed that prayer, the devil had a grip on my life. He was keeping me in bondage to my wrong choices, to my selfishness and rebellion. And I didn't realise it at the time, but I was a slave to the devil. I was a slave to sin and wrongdoing. And so when I prayed that prayer that day and I invited Jesus into my heart, and I asked him to forgive me my sins. I was benefiting from the fact that God himself in the person of Jesus had come into the world to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And did he, Jesus didn't just stay dead. After he died on the cross, the Bible tells us he rose from the grave, the power of the resurrection defeating death itself. And then he actually ascended into heaven to be in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And he's poured out his Holy Spirit on us so that we can live the kind of lives that he wants us to, lives that will ultimately give us joy 
and purpose and peace. And when I prayed that prayer from that magazine, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit touching my life. And I've never been the same again. And actually, if we read to the end of the Bible, we read of how at the end of time, Jesus is going to come again from heaven and he's going to establish his kingdom forever. That actually this world order and the systems of this world will come to an end and he will be the one true king. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth and all things will be put right. Sin will be no more and the devil and all of his fallen angels and all evil itself will be banished to hell where it will no longer be able to touch those people who choose to invite Jesus into their hearts so that they could be forgiven and that they could be set free from sin. And so my life, my story has since that day when I prayed that prayer, found its meaning and its context within the big overarching story that God is telling that we read of in the Bible that Jesus has made a way for us to become children of God. And my prayer and my hope for you today is that whether you've been a Christian all your life or whether you've become a Christian recently or whether you're someone listening to this and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, that you would be inspired by this message uh, and given encouragement to pray the kind of prayer that I prayed on that day, that you would find meaning and purpose for your story within the context of the big story that God is telling. And so I'd like to pray a prayer and it's like the prayer I prayed on that day. And I can promise you that if you pray this prayer and really mean it, your life will never be the same and that your story will become a part of the big story that God is telling. And you will find peace and you will find joy, even in a world that has so much conflict and strife, even in a world where we still experience physical death. You will find even in this world and this context, hope and meaning. And also you will find that if you invite Jesus into your heart, he who conquered death will enable you to find eternal life even beyond the grave, that you will go to heaven when you die and you will experience in that heaven the mercy, the peace, the life and the joy that only Jesus can give. So I'm just going to pray. Father, I pray for all those listening to this message that they would know your blessing and your joy and your peace today. And I specifically pray for anyone who is listening to this, who hasn't called themselves a Christian before and has never prayed a prayer like this before. And I pray for each one of those that you give them the courage to pray and to mean this prayer. So I'm going to pray now. Lord Jesus. I thank you that you love me so much. Father God, I thank you for the story that the Bible tells, a story of hope and of purpose. Thank you, Lord, that you created a good world and that you created humans because you wanted a big family. Lord, I'm so sorry that I have ignored you and your story. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've either just not believed in you or that I've decided that even though I think that you probably exist, I've not thought to invite you into my life and to relate my life to you and to what you believe and what you hold to be true. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all of my sin, all the times when I've said no to God and even all the times that I've said yes to the devil without even realising that I've done it through the wrong things that I've done. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, now that you would make it possible for me to be forgiven and that you'd enter into my life. You'd fill my heart 
and help me to become a child of God. Father God, I ask that you'd fill me through Jesus with the Holy Spirit to live in me and to be with me forever. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would set me free and help me to live the kind of good life that God intended for me to live. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to be my friend, my Lord and my God. And I pray that from this day onwards, I would never be the same, that my story would be a part of your big story. In Jesus name. Amen. And so if you've just prayed that prayer and you've never prayed a prayer like that before, I'd encourage you to keep going on the All Saints Woodford Wells website where there's lots of resources. Uh, and I encourage you to uh, speak to Christian friends or family members, perhaps the person that told you about this video. And I just encourage you to really invest uh, in getting to know God and particularly to do that by getting yourself a Bible and reading the story that God is telling. Thanks for sharing this time with me. And uh, I pray that you would know peace and joy even at this time through God and through the love of Jesus.